Hey guys, and welcome to the Coffee and Turner Syndrome podcast. My name is Brooke. Pour yourself your favorite cup of coffee, and let's hop into today's episode. Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. I am very excited. We have a special guest today, and I'm excited to hear her story. So I will let her introduce herself. This is Lauren. Hi guys. Yeah, I am Lauren. I'm currently living in Austin, Texas. Um, just been in Austin for just about a year now. Um, I'll be 36 next month. Um, living, yeah, living here with my husband, Ben, and I've been teaching second, third grade for the last 14 years now. And yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, so to hop into your story, I know you, you told me a little bit about it. I'm really interested to hear the details. So you were diagnosed the summer before you started kindergarten? Yeah. Um, from my understanding, the way I hear it from my mom is, yeah, she had taken me in um, for like my routine well child five-year checkup um kindergarten shots all that business um and actually two pretty crazy things happened that day leading up to my diagnosis total two total god things um first of all i we get to the doctor's office and it was not my regular pediatrician who was there um he happened to be gone and i saw ended up seeing a random on-call pediatrician. Um, so yeah, that was the first thing. And then the second thing is my sister, who was about two and a half at the time, um, tagged along and under normal circumstances, she would have been at my grandma's. Um, but uh, yeah, my grandma ended up last minute not being able to babysit. So my mom ended up taking her with and walked into the he walked into the office and the pediatrician who I had not seen before um, was like, so both these girls are yours? And my mom's like, yeah, like one's turning five in a couple weeks and one's only two and a half. Yeah. Same dad. Yeah. And like just the size difference she um she was off the charts in height and everything and i was like not even on the charts in height and weight and so she was like i'm gonna run a few tests if that's okay with you so um she had she had the the pediatrician had the inkling and went from there wow that's amazing that's Oh man, that's a really good catch because most people would not, I don't know, I would think especially in situations where the office can be super busy, you know, they have people waiting so they try to keep on track with timing and to take that moment and go, wait a second, that doesn't seem how we would expect it to be. Exactly, exactly. Like I said, had my sister not been there, she may not have had reason if it was my regular pediatrician, obviously nothing probably would have been done, but 
Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I'm assuming the testing was a blood test for a karyotype. The car- yeah, karyotype, yeah. So are you classic or are you mosaic? Mosaic. Mosaic. Okay. Yeah. That's the most common diagnosis I hear for not at birth is mosaic. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I mean, it varies. There's no real, there's kind of a pattern, but not really a pattern. So there's not a real statistic or anything on this, but I just find things can be so subtle that um, it's those, those cases that end up getting diagnosed so much later. Which is really unfortunate because Turner's is exactly one of those things The earlier it's caught, the better it is in the long run. And yeah, yeah, early, early detection definitely is key for sure. Absolutely. So what ways has Turner syndrome affected you so far? Um, hypo, some, um, hypothyroidism is something I still, um, get checked out, um, thyroid, um, and it's something I'm still medicated for. Um, when I was younger, I don't know if this is necessarily a Turner's correlation or not, um, but when I was younger, for probably between ages of like eight, nine, till about 11, 12, um, treated for ulcerative colitis. Um, don't know if it was just a situation where I just outgrew that um, or what, but um, yeah, I haven't been treated for that for probably almost 25 years now. Um, but yeah, hypo, hypothyroidism is probably the biggest thing apart from obviously um, infertility and all that goes with that. But yeah, yeah hypothyroidism is um, a common one and a really tough one. Um, and ulcerative colitis I don't know how many people would know what that is. Um, I've heard of it because mm-hmm. I follow Danielle Walker. Okay. Who's the blogger that does Against All Grain. Um, and that's what she, that's the autoimmune disease she has. So for those that don't know, it's an autoimmune condition. Um, you might have a better way of describing what it is if you want to share. Yeah, essentially, I mean, it's all colon related. Um, And I mean, first, I mean, they, polyps in the colon will essentially are aggravated and go, um, is what ultimately causes it. Um, But yeah, thankfully, Thankfully, like I said, it's something I don't, like I said, I don't know what other way to say it is that I just outgrew it or whatever, but yeah, I haven't really had to monitor my diet much. Um, Ironically enough, I actually went to the endocrinologist today, actually. Um, And I usually, for last 10, 15 years, I've 
only gone once a year, but um, she wanted to get me tested for celiac. And I was just like, I can, but I don't know if I necessarily want to pay for it. Like I have no reason to think I have it. Who knows? I mean, maybe I did have a touch of it when, when I was younger and just learned to adjust. I, I, I don't know, but. Yes, yeah, some of those things can be tricky. Um, ulcerative colitis, I know a lot of it from my understanding is fighting inflammation. And so the, the biggest way that changing your diet is supposed to help is keeping inflammation down, making sure that the, um, the foods you're eating aren't causing more and all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think the symptoms can be similar to celiac. So it's an interesting connection. Me personally, I've gone back and forth with whether I think I am just gluten intolerant and just don't do well Mm -hmm. with it, or if I'm celiac, um, and I have not been brave enough to have the test. (laughs) I hear you. I had the blood test. It came back negative, but I've learned since that that might not be trustworthy. That's interesting because usually like I'm of the mindset, I'm going to do this blood test, pay for this blood test. I'm going to trust what this says, but that's, that's interesting that it's not always 100% accurate. Yeah. I've heard stories that some girls that had the blood test for celiac be negative ended up being celiac later after colonoscopy being the way to completely confirm and I'm like I am not brave enough yet to commit to that testing right so (laughs) I know I know it would help me rule that out and know for sure but it just I that's just a personal thing so (laughs) Uh, yeah one part of your brain is like ignorance is bliss I'm just gonna keep going with what I've been doing so I know I tend to do better with no gluten in general anyways. So I don't, my kind of feeling is I don't think it would change how I know I should eat either way. Exactly. That's the thing. Like you can, I mean, cutting out gluten on your own, you don't need a test to tell you just to limit your gluten. Like you can just do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So the biggest things for you have kind of been, um, Hashimoto's and um, a season of having ulcerative colitis. Mm -hmm. Um, What would you say is the biggest impact it's had on your life? Um, Honestly, ironically, I don't know if ironically is the word, but almost harder the older I get. and I only I say that, I guess, because like as a kid, like I went pretty much my entire childhood with it not really being talked, like talked about, like friends really didn't know, like family, family obviously did. But like, I mean, I just went through school, high school and even mostly college, just um, doing my thing. Um, was it really until I got married that it really became a thing just because the whole infertility aspect of it, um, which you can't, you can't, there's no medicine for that. 
Unfortunately, no. But yeah. But so yeah, just living that in day in and day out. Um, I mean, even part of it too, it's easy as a kid because no one else around you is getting married, having kids and doing the parent thing. But as you get older, obviously that that changes and that, especially as a teacher, when that is all you deal with yeah, is families and kids and yeah. Yeah, I could imagine that would be an environment in some ways helpful, in some ways not helpful. It is a definite catch-22 and something I didn't really put a whole lot of thought into or I guess didn't really think about would be an issue as I was like in high school deciding what my next step was going to be and stuff. But yeah, but yeah, it is. It, there there are days. <laughs> yeah, I can but. imagine. I know, I feel like the biggest impact Turner's has on most of us, even those with, you know, significant physical health impacts is the mental navigation of all of it is almost more of an impact and affects you greater than just dealing with and keeping up with the physical stuff right right yeah it's yeah like I said like I was saying like if for whatever reason the older I get almost the harder the mental aspect is um but and that's just something that's never going to go away because if it's um unfortunately it's something that you just have to learn to deal with find your support system and yeah, go from there. Yeah. But. Yeah. And kind of that's where knowing yourself really well comes in helpful where you can say, okay, this is a time period, this, this thing or this season, I know I can't handle by myself. Mm-hmm. And so I know I need somebody to go to, or I need coping mechanisms on hand, good tools mm-hmm. to, to make sure that I can get through it. Right, right. Yeah, it's an on, definitely ongoing thing because just when you get through the season of all your friends having kids, then all your nieces and nephews are going to start having kids. And it's, yeah. it's yeah, it's just, yeah. And then all you, yeah, but one, one day at a time and those turn into weeks and months and years and God's got it. Yes, especially with how I feel like things are constantly changing. That's kind of, I think that was my biggest lesson from 2020. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If I had not been working on learning that lesson prior to then, that kind of threw it on home. Right. Right. (laughs) So is there anything that you have found has been your best tool or your best resource in those moments where it's difficult? Like the best things you've seen that have helped you through it? Um, I think, honestly, I think just recognizing it and just not masking it. Like if you're having a day, you're having a day. Like don't try to hide it, I guess, or fake it till you make it because fake it till you make it does work from time to time, but 
you can only do that for so long. Yeah. Yeah. I always, I try to, cause I've had people in my life that, you know, they're, they're maybe more the type that would stuff those feelings down that would, you know, just want to think about something else and, and not stay in that and really face those feelings. And Mm -hmm. I always tried to explain, they, they don't go away when you do that. They're still going to be waiting for you. And they may have turned into something even bigger while you were gone. Right. Right. And that's the hard game to play with yourself. (laughs) Okay. Is this a time I'm capable of facing it or do I need to give myself that break before I try to? Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, just know who your people are. I mean, there are just, I guess, just find your people. Um, Those who do are, who are most likely to get it, um, to understand. Um, Or like, honestly, if you are that person who is trying to help someone who is going through infertility, like, honestly just stop talking (laughs) like just let them talk and honestly just be there Um, yeah I think I think the tricky part gets into when people that are well meaning (laughs) but but go into the area of trying to fix it or give you solutions and that's not usually what I'm really needing. Mostly I'm just needing to get my emotions out in a place where I feel like they'll be validated and I'll be allowed to feel however I'm feeling. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Recognizing that it, if you're that, if you are that person who's trying to help, just recognizing that it's not a fixable thing. Like you just, like you were saying, yeah, it's, you can't, you can't fix it. So don't, just let them, just let them be. <laughs> yeah. And everybody deals with it differently. Exactly. No two cases are the same. Yeah. So I am curious what your HRT routine looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I was on growth hormones until from when I was diagnosed as a four or five year old. Um, so I was about 16. Um, I went to the endocrinologist three, four times a year. Um, and they were really, really good about not minimizing my growth hormone doses, but not max, but not, um, maximizing it too much. Cause you, you don't want to grow your bones too fast to where they solidify too fast. And you don't, want them growing too slow at the same time, obviously. Um, so yeah, once I got through the growth hormone is when I started um, HRT, because it again, my Andrew was of the opinion not to be doing all of that at the, at the same time. So he wanted to make sure I was completely done growing. Um, so yeah, I started that at about 16. Um, and it hasn't really changed much since in the last 20 years. Um, 
but yeah. And then according to my endocrinologist today, actually, I got about just the, another 10 or so years when that gets or 20 years, I guess, nor 15 years. I forget what she said, but normal menopausal time for normal age. <laughs> but yeah, she was, for being the first time I had went to this particular endro, she was um, comfortable with what I had been doing with my um, hormone medicines. Hey, as long as you feel good on it, I feel like that's the most important factor. Yeah, yeah. Um, estradiol and progesterone were, are the two that I've been on for the last 20, 20 years. That's something the different forms of, I've even experienced a difference with, um, but the, the best I've ever felt has been recently, the patch for estradiol and the pill for progesterone. Okay. And I was just really excited to find it. <laughs> Were you on the pill for estradiol or was that? Yeah. Is there a huge difference, I guess, between the pill and the patch that you felt? Well, so for the first time period of when I first started HRT, I was, I think I was 13, 12 and a half or 13 when I first started HRT. Um, and I was on one pill of estrogen, one of progesterone. And then at one point I switched to birth control for it because it had both. So it was just one pill. And I was on that for years, kind of struggling. Sometimes I would feel great. Some I felt great on others. I didn't. And then my most recent endocrinologist I've been seeing was worried that the estrogen was not making it to my bones okay. by taking it in a pill form. And I actually ended up finding out that because it doesn't have, so when you do a patch and it's just transdermal, you actually, you bypass the liver. So you are getting the full amount of estrogen available instead of whatever your liver would filter out. So, or it going all the way through your bloodstream to make it. And so not as much actually making, it was, yeah, it was an eye-opening thing for me because I had never thought there would be a difference. Mm -hmm. So that is interesting. Like my endro today, like asked if I, if I had, if I was the patch or a pill and I didn't even like consider the patch to even be an option, but that's interesting. Yeah. This was the second time I had tried the patch. The first time did not go as well for me. Okay. I think, I think it was a different patch. I think it might've been a different dose. And I tend to think it wasn't a big enough dose for me. Okay. I think the trick with the patch is to just make sure you have the dosage dialed in. Right. Cause I think there is a greater risk of it being too low of a dose. <laughs> sure. Sure. with with what manufacturers are making you know with the dosages that are available i think it's a greater risk of not getting enough um or not having the correct dosage versus a pill you immediately know there's any dosage you could need available okay. so at least that's my experience <laughs>
No, that's, that's, that is interesting. I didn't, yeah, things you learn. <laughs> <laughs> I've been learning a lot. I've been, you know, Turner oh, yeah, for sure. does nothing if throw you lots of life lessons. No, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So what would you say in that regard is the biggest thing you feel like having Turner syndrome has taught you? Um, I guess a couple things for, um, I guess one thing is that I guess just as you go through your day-to-day, -day, just recognizing that you never know what people are dealing with. You just, you just don't know. Um, and so just constantly having that grace filled mindset, if, as you, as you deal with people, cause like I said, you just, you just don't know. Um, the other thing, I, um, it, to, I guess, piggyback on that is everyone, every, I mean, at the end of the day, everyone has something that they're, that they're dealing with. Um, so yeah, just keeping, keeping that in the back of your mind, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, and I guess also like being a teacher, I guess going with that is as you deal with, like as, as a teacher, just you don't know what those kids are. You don't always know what those kids are dealing with either. Mm, um, yeah. And as you navigate them to the next step, just having that, like I said, grace-filled mindset as you maximize their potential. Yeah. But. Yeah, I love that application of, you know, looking at kids as far as, you know, what what your approach and expectations are for them. I'm a huge psychology and mental health person. I studied psychology, so it's like just the way my brain works at this point. <laughs> and there's this idea of looking at yourself while talked about as the inner child where mm -hmm. you kind of question okay how are you treating your inner child mm -hmm. I think I think the biggest thing that that idea tells me or shows me is how are we treating ourselves versus how you would treat somebody else okay. like if if we're able to give somebody else so much grace so much patience and understanding we also should be able to give some of that to ourselves which is easier said than done <laughs> absolutely <laughs> absolutely it's something yeah. I'm constantly reminding myself that no it is okay to give yourself that it's it's you know self-care is not selfish no, no, nope. Especially when your job entails with dealing with a lot of, a lot of people. Oh yeah. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so, you can only take care of them as well as you take care of yourself. Yes, but. absolutely. You know, and I think there's been this trend of self-care being trendy in the way that's, you know, bubble baths and three hour spa nights and all of these major things. And I'm like, no, self-care can be, I took a 10 minute nap today. 
Yep. And it really yep. helped. <laughs> oh, my, my people will know if I don't get my walk in. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like for me, especially lately, it's been a huge thing of trying to implement that more to help me deal with everything, both Turner's stuff and just life. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So. And I, and I think with that though, too, is just, if you do know someone going through infertility, like just at the same time, like you also just need to practice grace and just, cause it's one of those things where you could be completely fine one minute and just not the next, like mm-hmm. it, it, it comes in waves. Oh yeah. And even the same situations can feel different on different days. Yep. You know, yep. we've, we've been, me and my husband have been fighting through trying to foster to adopt Mm -hmm. and our journey has not been the normal one ours has not been a typical journey it's been really long and difficult and I've had to recognize lately that there are different ways I feel about different things than when we first started this yep and that's okay it's Mm -hmm. it's okay to change it's okay to be honest about those things Yep. So. Yep. Yeah. It. No. That's exactly it. Um. Yeah. The way you felt about it two years ago, the way you felt about it yesterday, is not like it's it's a constantly evolving process. Yeah. So I've also heard you mention your faith a couple of times, and I'm curious how you feel like your faith has helped you or impacted your journey with Turner syndrome? Um, I mean, if I'm going to be completely honest, it's not easy. Um, Like, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, like I know, like does God provide through families? Absolutely. That's just not going to be how he provides in our case, which is fine. Do we know how? He's going to be with us, manifest, like making, providing in 30 years. No. What are our, how do we know what our holidays and things are going to look like in like 30 years? No, but that's okay. Um, God's seen us up to this point and he'll, he always gives you the people you need when you need them um, is what it is what it boils down to. Um, there's a lot of stubbornness in me where I don't want to hear things that I know. Like the, anytime you hear like, with God, all things are possible or um, things like that, where I'm like, well, let me tell you something where it's not like, <laughs> um, but get, Again, all that comes from our stubborn, simple side. Um, and just because he says no to kids and having our own family does not mean he won't say yes to something better. What that better is, um, 
maybe I'm too stubborn to see it manifesting itself already. I don't know. But that, I mean, sin stinks. And I am very thankful I know the antidote for sin. And just knowing that one day we, our bodies will be made whole is an awesome thing. Yes. I love that reminder of, I'm not going to have Turner syndrome in heaven. Right. And that's a lovely thought. Yep. It's not uh, like, it, it's so ingrained in your head. Like, I don't even know what that's like. I know. <laughs> I wouldn't even know what life without it will feel like, but I know it'll feel good. Yep. I know that much. Yep. And I think I totally, totally have those moments too, where it's like, no, but I, that's, I don't want that. I don't like that. No, that's (laughs) like, no, thank you. But I've had to have my little moments of talking to myself and going, okay, look, you can have your moment. You can, you know, you, you can feel all of that and get it out. And then, you know, you can go back to, okay, I know God is this. I know God is that. I know what he has in store for even if it's not what I want it'll be for whatever situation the correct way for things to go even if it's not what I would want right but that is the most hardest thing to let go of and and just accept yep it's a very hard thing to let go of um at the same time you just got to remember like just as a parent doesn't give their kid everything that they ask for god's not gonna give us everything that he asked for and like i said um there's a reason do i always know what those reasons are no but um just trusting god's plan and just going from there i really love paying attention to the themes every year for turner syndrome awareness month i think they're really fun mm-hmm. um this year's was turner's strong I think this is along the lines of what we've been talking about curious what does that bring up for you what does turner's strong look like for you um, i think it definitely has made me stronger again I kind of alluded to this earlier but just in just awareness to what other people are going through or not being quick to assume just because they seem everything seems to be going hunky-dory that most likely it's not and I think just recognizing that I not expecting people to understand um has also made me stronger, I guess, because um, I think it's unfair to expect people to understand because it is such a unique position to be in. Um, and once you let that go, I think that's that's huge. That's a good point to make that from our perspective, what we go through is hard and 
the way we can give grace and patience to those around us is remembering that that this this is not going to be something simple to understand right and so there's going to be bumps in the road there's going to be times where people make comments that are not perfect or helpful (laughs) i've I've been there (laughs) (laughs) though they may have the best intentions that is that is going to happen even for the people that may be super close to you yep and i get get where that forgiveness is also a necessity jesus himself said father forgive them they know not what they do (laughs) (laughs) they know not what they say (laughs) so what would you say is the biggest aspect of Turner's you would like to see more research done on or get a better understanding of? Um, probably, honestly, early detection, um, I think is key. And I know, obviously, finding the cause is going to be next to impossible. Um, and that's just not even really an option, but um, just wishing, hoping that doctors are more enlightened to be able to recognize it earlier, um, which I think they are getting better at. Um, But at the same time, recognizing that each case is so unique, so do not automatically write that baby who may not even be born yet off as to they won't be able to do this or that like you just you don't know and it's not our place to confine that little girl into a box because again each each case is is mega unique so true well thank you so much for coming on and chatting and sharing your story um, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you wanted to share? I no, I've had a blast. I think this was this was good. This was cool. This is so fun getting to talk to you. I'm so glad you reached out. For sure. No, I'm no, I'm excited. I haven't done anything like this before, so it was good. <laughs> it was so great having you on. Um, so thank you so much, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. You too. You too. Have a good week. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Coffee and Turner Syndrome. If you would like to support the podcast, I do have listener support set up on Anchor. And if you'd like to leave me a voice message, I would love to hear from you. Don't forget, you can find the video version of this podcast on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash brooktv. Make sure you're subscribed so you see when the next one comes out. And I will see you guys in the next episode.